Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Oh my gosh, guys, we're giggling and she hasn't even finished the intro yet. Welcome to another episode of You hadn't of even started the intro and we were giggling. We are here today. I don't remember what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> You're like, look, I send my thing in. That's all I have. Oh, I remember now. We are here today <laughs> to put the her in miser because Matthew's looking at me like an old miser right now. He's all like grumpy looking at me for some reason. I don't know why. Very judgy. Do you see it? Well, it's because he thinks we're starting a whole new episode. Oh. But we're really just doing an intro. Oh. And so we're going to order food in like five minutes. Oh, he's mad about food. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm having to explain this on air. And you guys are welcome. <laughs> on air? We I don't know. We are professionals. Even. My name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-hosts, Joy and baby Jojo. Mm-hmm. And um, Joy, I was thinking about something on the drive this morning. Okay. I am at the age now where the only music I really like is from when I was younger. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. how old I am. Everybody has that thing where you hit that spot. Your like tastes are fully developed. Done. I know and I like. so you're like, I know what I like. I know what my fashion sense is. I know what kind of art I like. I know how I want to decorate my house. I try to like newer music and sometimes I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. But, but the thing is, is it typically is, a new album from someone I already I have found plenty like. of music that I really enjoy in the yeah. last decade. Yes. But my favorite band is still right. my favorite band from high school a decade ago. Right. Like you're truly, truly those like you know it's just done. Like those real preferences. Yeah. They get I have they them get baked in and then you're I'm baked. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> Fully cooked. That's great. <laughs> You're welcome. You guys heard it here. <laughs> I'm here with my beautiful co-host who is baked. Fully cooked. Cooked. Fully. Her preferences are set in. Yeah. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> the... We're all fine. <laughs> um, my name's Joy. Hi, Joy. Um, I'm here with Summer. Hey. She's beautiful and happens to be <laughs> my you. co-host. Yep. And, um, well, I have a story for you. I'm going to tell you my story. Okay. I'm it's excited. not a long story. Um, I feel like I knew you had a story coming. Yeah. No, I told you because something happened this me. week and I yeah. was like, you're going to tell me. Um, wouldn't it be awful if I was like, no, I'm going to wait till the next episode. It would be right now. I would not. It, I'm not there for that. I'm not here for that. I can't do that to you guys. Please don't do that. Um, okay. So I make my own dry shampoo 
Yeah. It's just equal parts cocoa powder and corn and starch. I knew that. Super easy. Yeah. And then you put it in a little tub and you take like a makeup brush and you apply it to your I've roots. seen you do it. So it works really well, except for the last batch that I made was not working very well. And I was like, oh, mm. you know, dang postpartum hair. And, yeah. It's you know, all your weird. hair just changes and your skin's different and all this stuff. It's weird. Um, and, uh, so I was like, my hair's super dry. It's also winter. Like, yeah. So whatever. Just really was not working out. Um, that was only partially true because what was happening the, the entire time over the month that I used this tub yeah. of dry shampoo was that um, when I had made it, oh no, I had put cocoa powder and powdered sugar in it. <laughs> And then proceeded to wear sugar on my head <laughs> and wonder why it didn't have any of the same Effect. properties. As... <laughs> it was definitely, I kept saying to myself, like, this is a bad batch. Like, I need to right. make a new batch. Yeah, but I'm going to keep going. And then going. it just hit me because I was, it was even to the point where I was like getting like buildup on yeah. my head. And I was like, they're there's something wrong here i was like i just gotta make a new batch something wrong and then all of a sudden i was like mm. i like licked my finger and dipped it in and licked it again and i was like it's sugar it's sweet it was powdered sugar <laughs> so i was feeding my head that's sugar. amazing you really for had like a month <laughs> <laughs> it was not longer than that wow anyway yeah so, Which is just insane because, um, I mean, it doesn't seem that insane because obviously they're very similar white powders. Sure. But they're also sure. very different white powders. And don't you, you do don't, the same thing. you don't have to be a baking expert right. to know the difference just based off of consistency. Right. But anyway. Yeah. So my head's feeling better now. Okay. I, I have switched ask. back. You're using the right to, stuff. Yeah. Okay. To the non-sugar because your skin doesn't do like well. That. Yeah. Your skin doesn't do well it's when you scrub. just put sugar on it. Oh, but that's not even a scrub because it's powdered sugar. And you don't wash it away. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I I also had So that's where I'm at. I also had an embarrassing moment this week. I already uh -huh. told you about it. But um it was really embarrassing. So <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you guys about it. Since you told an embarrassing story, yeah. I'll tell an embarrassing story real quick. So I was not feeling well. It was a Sunday afternoon, so I was trying to rest, but I really wasn't feeling well. And then all of a sudden, just remember, I'm 10 weeks pregnant, <laughs> and only certain things sound edible to me, like at certain yeah. times. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I really, really wanted a breakfast burrito. And then I burst into tears because... I am from Arizona, and I know how they make their breakfast burritos right. in Arizona. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they make breakfast burritos in Nevada. Right. I'm guessing it might be a little different. And I have gone to other states, and when I have ordered a breakfast burrito, they have put french fries inside of the burrito instead of, like, potato. Like, I know french fries are made out of potatoes, but french fries are a very specific thing. If you thing. think a potato <laughs> is a french fry, yeah, you need to. You need help. So I 
was crying because I, I knew I was going to ask my husband to go get me a breakfast burrito. But what if I bit into it and, and it was French fries. There were French fries. And so, you know, I'm not pregnant and I can almost relate to that. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was upsetting. I do. I at least relate that French fries are not supposed to go in a burrito. Don't take your leftover scrap French fries and, and them put them in, in my burrito. burrito. Yeah, I'm not interested. They're too long. Yeah. They need to be cut up. That's not right. And they get soggy. It's just not right. The french fries get soggy when you put them in a thing. Shouldn't be that way. French fries are either a side or you can like load them up with something and then yes, it's the or meal. or they're a base. Yeah. They're like, a side or a base. Yeah. They don't belong inside of right. a burrito. Right. So I just want to say bless my husband's heart because he responded the right way. He responded very well <laughs> um, to his wife crying over... French the fries in her burrito. Yeah. The Potentially. might be in the burrito. <laughs> he said, you know, this is a good sign. Like, you are definitely pregnant. <laughs> like, for sure, you've got something hormonal going on right now. And he's like, and you should just praise God for that because it means mm-hmm. you're pregnant. So that's great. And, you know, maybe don't cry about it, though. <laughs> and also, I will make sure that... I will ask them and make sure that they right. don't put French fries in your breakfast burrito. <laughs> and I was so happy <laughs> that he was going to make sure. He was sure willing to accommodate. That there were going to be no French fries in the burrito. So anyway, that's embarrassing, but I, you know. You guys heard it here. I survived. We survived. Everyone survived. The burrito was great. It did not have French fries in it. Did it did not have French fries in it. And that's my story. And if you and everyone stop putting French fries in your burritos. And just don't do it. Okay. So we have already recorded our interview with mm-hmm. I'm I mean, I'm just so excited. Ken Ham. Dr. Georgia Purdom. I'm super excited. This is the guest I've been telling you guys about that I'm super excited about. So I hope you enjoy the interview. So we are so excited today to continue our series. Um, talking about creation. So, so far we've had Dr. Jason Lyle on the show. That was super fun. Mm -hmm. And we were joined by Dr. Gordon Wilson. And today we are super excited because we are joined by Dr. Georgia Purdom and Ken Ham. So thank you guys for coming on the show. Uh, It's great to be with you. It's our pleasure to be here. I'm excited. So Ken Ham, will you tell our listeners who are not familiar with you a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, probably the best way to do that to start with is to say g'day y'all because I'm from Australia (laughs) living in America I'm a dual citizen so g'day y'all covers it all right (laughs) yes it does Uh, so actually I was a science teacher in Australia and as a result of the Lord uh, burdened me to build a creation museum because of what happened with uh, my school teaching for instance uh, you know one of the first science classes I taught the students uh, said, so we know you're a Christian, but how can you believe the Bible when we know it's not true? Mm. Because what we're taught in our textbooks about evolution and millions of years. And so I started to give them answers to that. We'd take them to museums and they're always from a atheistic evolutionary perspective. And so the Lord really burdened me about why can't we build a museum with a Christian worldview, a creation museum? And so actually the burden for building a creation museum goes right back to 1975. Wow. But we started a ministry in our house in 1977 in Australia. And I came over on tour to America speaking in churches in the 80s. And then in 1987, we moved over to California to work with the Institute for Creation Research, the late Dr. Henry Morris and the late Dr. Dwayne Gish. 
Mm. Uh, we with them for seven years. Instead of returning to Australia, we said we're going to build this creation museum. And so there were three of us that moved out to the state of Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, right, because mm-hmm. we're within a one-day drive of two-thirds of America's population, which right. is south of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And that's really how uh, the whole ministry from big picture perspective uh, came about. And we opened the creation museum in 2007. We opened the Ark Encounter in 2016. So we now have the two leading Christian-themed attractions in the world that uh, millions of people have come through. That's amazing. Right in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to tell you, this is this is selfishly. Um, when I was in college, I, I'm just I'm so thankful for Answers in Genesis because when I was in college, I was taking anthropology classes, and there was so much going on there that we were being taught about evolution. And Answers in Genesis was just. It was a resource that I knew I always had. If I had a question, I could just plug it into the website and something helpful would pop up somewhere. So I am I'm so thankful that you were you started all that. Well, you know, we've heard that testimony so many times over the years, and that's what we are. We're a resource for people to use. We're an information rich ministry. I mean, our main website, answersingenesis.org, has tens of thousands of articles. And I hear testimony from people all the time, just like you gave, high school students, college students who are using the information there uh, to be able to, uh, well, cope with college. Yes. <laughs> uh, or to do assignments or projects of various sorts or just to help them to have answers. That's right. That's what it's been for me, for sure. So thank you so much. So Dr. Georgia Purdom, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I have a um, PhD in molecular genetics um, from Ohio State University. And, um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and, uh, you know, had always been taught that the Bible was true from the very first verse. But when you're confronted with all these things of science, it's kind of like, okay, so how do I, you know, I was really seeking to, can I reconcile this with the Bible and how does all that work? And so I went through graduate school, college and graduate school, and then I um, really felt a burden, really felt the Lord impressing on me that I needed to have answers to these questions. And so that started in 2001. And then the Lord brought me to Answers in Genesis in 2006. And so um, I just really have a heart um, for helping people understand um, that God's word is true and science confirms it and and helping people really understand that. And so um, here at Answers in Genesis, I'm the director of educational content. So I oversee a lot of the educational programming that the Creation Museum and ARC do. And then I also speak and write, um, obviously, uh, from my genetics perspective here and Um, I'm also uh, the director of our women's conference, Answers for Women, which is an annual conference that we hold, um, and we have one coming up here at the end of the month, and so uh, just to really bring apologetics teaching to women. I know that's something that you all uh, find very important, and um, helping women know their theology, um, know God's word is true, and um, we want to do that too here at Answers in Genesis. I love it. I might just add that, you know, 1 Peter 3.15 is one of our theme verses. Always be prepared to give an answer or to give an apologetic. I mean, the word answer or defense, depending on what translation you have, comes from the Greek word apologia, from which we get a word apologetic. So we are an apologetics organization. So we're providing answers to the secular attacks of our day that undermine the authority of God's word, particularly in Genesis, where the attacks have been been leveled uh, in this era. That's so funny. I, I definitely feel um, we are re- we're related in a lot of ways with our goals. I'm sitting next to a sign that has First Peter 3.15 oh, 
in Greek right behind me because um, <laughs> yes, as you said, we have a passion for that too, and it's very it's very important. Um, my dad's been an apologist my whole life, and so I just I love what you guys are doing and kind of what you were talking about, um, Dr. Purdom, about how you want Christians to be able to answer these questions, and that's really what you have a passion for. Um, that's what we're trying to do with this series. What we found. Um, is that a lot of people have a lot of questions about the earth and what our duty is towards it. And so I was kind of hoping we could start with just talking about um, the answers that we do get in Genesis. And I would really like to start with, and either one of you can answer this, why I believe that it's important that we believe in a literal six-day creation. Um, I'm assuming, I know you guys would agree with that, but why is it important in for our faith that we believe in a literal six-day creation account? Well, you know, when people say to me, why does it matter what you believe about Genesis, particularly the six days? Why does that matter? And my response to them, first of all, would be this. Does it really matter if we take God at his word or not? Because the real issue comes down to biblical authority. Mm. You know, it's interesting when you look in the New Testament, Jesus in Matthew 19 and also in Mark 10 as well, when asked about marriage, immediately refers to what's written there in Genesis. Have you not read? He which made the beginning, made the male and female, that's Genesis 1.27, and said, For this cause shall man of his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they'll be one flesh. That's Genesis 2.24. By the way, there you have the gender issue solved, male and female. That's right. And you have the foundation of marriage that God made man from dust, woman from his side, you become one because you're one flesh and so as to be a man and a woman. Actually, all of our doctrines are founded in Genesis. There's, no, there's not one doctrine that ultimately is not founded in the first 11 chapters of the Bible. And so I'm saying that to say this, if you just take Genesis as written and you read it through, obviously, you know, there was one man, Adam, he was made from dust, one woman, Eve, made from his side. But the Bible also says God made everything over a period of six days and rested for one. And when you look at the meaning of the word day there, the Hebrew word yom, and the way it's qualified with evening, morning, number, night, just from the perspective of the Hebrew language, it means an ordinary day. When you talk to people who have all these different views of Genesis, you know, theistic evolution, progressive creation, the framework hypothesis, day-age theory, or whatever it is, there's many different uh, views of Genesis. They all have one thing in common, they're taking the ideas from outside of the scripture, particularly the supposed millions of years, taking it to scripture and reinterpreting scripture and reinterpreting those days. And that's, that's our point. That's one of the emphasis we make here at Answers in Genesis is that generations of kids have been told by many of their Christian leaders, you don't need to take Genesis as written. Uh, you can believe in millions of years. You don't need to believe in six literal days. You can believe what these uh, scientists, these secular scientists and others are saying outside of scripture and just reinterpret that, which means you've told them you start outside the Bible with man's ideas to reinterpret scripture. Well, how can you trust any of what the Bible says? Why not do that with the resurrection or the virgin birth or any of the miracles that we read about in the New Testament? And that is why I keep emphasizing to people, this is a biblical authority issue. And if you want to look at a consequence of the loss of biblical authority generationally. Mm. If you look at the millennials, for instance, only 18% go to church. 56% of the greatest generation went to church. Only 18% of millennials. Generation Z are twice as atheist as any previous generation. 
we're seeing a loss of the coming generations from the church and the secularization of the younger generations. And I believe it's the church's fault for not standing on the authority of God's word beginning in Genesis. And this whole issue in regard to the age of the earth, the six days, that's a major factor in all of this because so many Christian leaders have compromised because of these ideas from outside of scripture. That's right. That's right. Um, I know I we recently had a um, pretty famous story of apostasy, and a lot of it was based on what you were talking about, about uh, people going looking at scripture and saying, well, can it really defend itself? I've never really thought about it before. And they were millennials, and that is a very common um, objection nowadays. So how would you say, if, if it's important that we believe in this literal six-day creation, because essentially to deny it is to deny the sufficiency of scripture, the truthfulness of scripture. How would you say the creation account is different or the same as other creation accounts that come from the same area? Because I know that's something that people, they bring up a lot actually, is that, um, you know, our creation account, even the flood, you know, all, all of these ancient um, groups have these similar stories. What's different or the same about ours? What should we know about that? Well, I think we need to understand that a lot of those accounts or all really all of those other accounts are coming from the biblical one. The biblical one was the true one, the first one that was written down. And, you know, you have like the Tower of Babel event in Genesis chapter 11. So you have everybody together. Right. And this is 100 or so years after the flood. They're hearing firsthand accounts of the flood. Um, Noah, there's no reason Noah wouldn't have had written documents of a lot of the history that had already happened in the 1500 years or so um, since creation. So he, so all that information was there and, and firsthand accounts and all of those things. But then when they spread out from the Tower of Babel, they, that information over time gets changed and it gets, um, you know, changed based on the culture. And as they go away from God and not worshiping the one true God, um, based on their locale that they're in, you know, and, and various things there. And so it starts to get distorted and it starts to get changed. Um, but it's based on the one true one, because if you compare like the different accounts of the flood that are out there, almost every culture in the world has some account of a flood. And you can compare it to the biblical one and you see similarities, but then you also see things in those that make it totally outrageous and totally unbelievable. Um, and we show some of that on the Ark Encounter. Um, but but the one that's, that's one that's in scripture, though, we can show scientifically that that Ark is sound that arc will work you know and so i think that's that's when we when we compare it to what's in the bible we can use science and archaeology and historical accounts and all these things that, that support and confirm what god's word says we know it's true but doesn't support or or confirm these other ideas and these other stories yeah you know there's uh one of the uh flood legends uh, that has the 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 boat carrying the animals as like a cube seven stories yeah. high but you realize it isn't going to survive a global flood very well. And then you read the account in the Bible and it's a six to one ratio uh, ship that would survive in such a flood. And you realize it sounds like the Bible is the original. The other one is the perversion of it. You know, it's interesting when students go to universities, one of the things they're told today are oh, uh, the Babylonians have, have stories uh, like the Jews, the Jews obviously borrowed the stories from the Babylonians. And as Dr. Purdom said, it's the other way round. And when right. you look at the Babylonian stories, you realize they're perversions uh, of the original. I'll never forget in Australia, I was at an Aboriginal settlement once and 
I was there with the missionary and the missionary was telling me that one of the Aboriginal elders came to him and was telling him that they have a dream time legend uh, about creation, about the creation of man and woman. And one of them was that uh, woman was made uh, while man was asleep and she was made from a yucca tree. And so the missionary got out his Bible and read the account of the creation of Eve from the Bible. And he said, the Aboriginal elder uh, called out and he said, wow. He said, how come you have the same story as the Aboriginal and yours is better? <laughs> and I thought, I thought that's a really yeah. good summary of it. That's right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. Um, okay. So. I agree with all of you there. I think one of the questions that at least I know from talking to women about uh, just about Genesis and about the creation account and what, what we learn about men and women and our duty towards each other and our duty towards earth, um, a question keeps coming up about the dominion mandate and what parts of it we are still responsible for. Are we responsible for all of it? What does that look like? And so my question for you guys is, is how should Christians think about the, Domin the dominion mandate um, and our responsibility towards God's creation? Well, I think, you know, we can both uh, contribute here. Uh, but when God gave Adam dominion over the creation, uh, remember that it was a perfect creation mm. and sin hadn't, hadn't entered the world. But now we're living in a fallen world. So here's the point we have to first of all understand what sin has done to the world for instance when it comes to environmental issues uh, when we talk to the secularists today who have an evolutionary uh, belief system they basically look at everything that is natural is good whereas we would say everything natural is fallen mm -hmm. and today i see more and more and you see this over and over again that the secularists and those who do not take God at his word, seem to reverse everything. For instance, you know, the Bible says God gave man dominion over the earth and over the animals. Well, you'll notice in a lot of the movements today, animal rights movements and so on, they're putting the animals and, and we see some of these environmentalists, they're putting the environment, the animals, they're giving that dominion over man. It's mm -hmm. the other way around. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that man should just abuse the environment either and, and, and abuse animals. But we were given animals to eat after the flood, Genesis 9, verse 3. God said we could eat all things. And we are to use the environment, use what God has entrusted to us for man's good, for God's glory. Uh, that means we need to look after it, but at the same time, we can use it. And we have to also understand it's a fallen world so that, for instance, we might look at something and say, oh, that's a swampy area. We could actually improve that and make it better. Whereas you might find secular environmentalists say, no, you shouldn't touch it because that's natural. Whereas we could say we could actually improve it. So, the, you know, we have to understand what dominion means in the context of scripture, but what sin has done. And I think a lot of times people get the idea that dominion is something like when they hear that word, it's like, oh, you're supposed to be over it and lord over it and do whatever you want to with it. And that's definitely not what the word dominion means in scripture. I mean, what it means there is to steward it, right? To be good stewards of it, to take care of what God has created. And that's that's much more difficult, obviously, in a fallen world. So 
we do need to take care of it. But as Ken was talking about, you know, we don't go to the other extreme where we let these things have dominion over us or we give, you know, right now, I mean, there's there's a couple of cases where they've given human rights basically to bodies of water, mm. you know, to lakes and rivers and things. And so they have the right, this lake or river has the right to sue in court over how it's being treated. And wow. you're like, that's, that's going completely to another extreme that we don't, we shouldn't be doing. We are made in the image of God and God's the one that's given us the dominion. So we need to take care of these things, but remembering that um, we are the ones in charge and that, that humans are the most important thing. And so we have to treat our environment such that we take care of it, but also that it's, it's helping human beings. I wonder how many times that lake has actually <laughs> petitioned the court. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, like without you know, any help. <laughs> you know, you heard about the disastrous fires in my homeland yes. of Australia. Yeah. Uh, just recently. In fact, we were over there when fires were going on and we saw the dreadful smoke and wow. it was terrible. But what's interesting is, for instance, I have uh, family members that have a property, uh, a few thousand acres. And the problem is because of the environmental movement, they were told they had to stop backburning and they weren't allowed uh, to, to backburn. Whereas, you know, the Australian Aboriginal people used to actually light fires to clear out the, the underbrush and so on so that it wouldn't result in disastrous fires. Well, as a result of the uh, environmental movement having the wrong view of the environment, uh, and, you know, they, they actually said, uh, the government actually said to my family members, you can't do any more backburning because the smoke harms harms animals and harms the environment. Well, now, because of that, there was an incredible amount of fuel then right. in the area. So when when those fires came, uh, the amount of smoke <laughs> really did harm the environment and harm mm. the animals and caused a disaster. So there's an example, again, of them letting the environment have dominion over man instead of the other way around and realize we can use fire to look after the environment if we do it in a controlled way and do it properly. Yeah. I mean, that's what we should be looking at and understanding it's not a perfect world anymore. And so sometimes we have to do things because of what the curse has done and because it is a fallen world. Right. Reminds me of what Paul said about, you know, when people give up God and deny him, they end up wor worshiping the creature instead of the creator and so it's like you have this instance of you know giving a lake rights that's essentially trying to elevate this thing to a level that it just doesn't belong and right. bad things happen as a result of that right yeah we see we see that romans one passage being played out more and more in our culture today that's right well and so now i'm going to kind of like from what you just said <laughs> i'm going to kind of like flip that okay um and let's talk a little bit about like what is special about this obviously god created so many things that we will never see mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i won't well we also have a geneticist on here so <laughs> you've probably seen some things i've never seen and i don't know um you're de you're dealing more with the little tiny parts <laughs> of the world but i was talking more about solar systems and things like that but um i guess what i want to talk about in reference to taking good care of the earth let's just talk a little bit about what is actually like special about the earth why does this place matter what's important to know about this place 
Well, this place matters because God God created it to be inhabited. You know, no, I mean, we're constantly looking for life on other planets, spending billions of dollars doing that. And they've never found anything yet. And I don't believe they ever will um, because, it, you know, it says clearly in scripture, this, this is the place that God created to be inhabited. And over and over again, you know, I'm not an astronomer here or an earth scientist, but um, when we do a, one of our news programs that we do here over and over again, we see articles that show just how unique um, the earth is in its makeup, in its place, um, just all of these things that are just perfect, basically, um, for life to be here and not other places. So I think that's that's definitely one thing. And when Jesus came, he came to earth. Right? He didn't go to any other planet, any other place. He came here because this is where human beings are, human beings that are made in the image of God. And so I think that's that's definitely um, makes this place uh, really unique. I mean, like you say, there's there's lots of other places out there that we'll, we'll never be able to see. There's lots of things even inside of us that we'll never be able to see. But I, I hope that someday, <laughs> um, when you get to heaven, maybe that's something that we'll be able to uh, enjoy and be able to see. I don't know how that exactly that works, but um, but I think, too, just the idea that we can explore these things and try to figure these things out and understand these things, the curiosity that God has given us because he is a creative God um, to enable us to be able to do that is, is pretty amazing. Yeah, well, you know, the Bible says the earth is for the sons of men, but the heavens declare the glory of God. And if you think about it, God created the sun, moon and stars on day four. So all the bodies in the universe, the earth was created first. So it's special. Yeah. That's another factor. And then the rest of the universe is there to declare the glory of God. And when you see how big it is, how vast it is, and the millions and millions and billions of, of, of bodies out there, stars and, and so on, you realize how great God is. I don't think we have really any concept of what it means that God is an infinite creator God. But following on, too, from what, um, from what uh, Georgia said there, in regard to it's a special place because this is the only place God stepped into history in the person of his son. And that was to die for us and to be raised from the dead and offer a free gift of salvation. You see, I also use that as an argument against belief in intelligent life in outer space. I have people say to me, do you believe there's intelligent life in outer space? Well, the more I watch television news, the more I'm not convinced there's much on earth anymore. <laughs> I'm not sure how much there is in Washington, D.C. But anyway, uh, so is there intelligent life in outer space? If there were, if there's aliens out there, if there's other races of beings out there on other planets, think about it. The whole of creation grows because of sin, because of our sin in Adam, because of Adam's sin. And one day the whole universe is going to be judged and there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth but there wouldn't be any salvation for them. Mm. You know, as I say, um, God stepped into history to be Jesus Christ, the God-man, not the God-Klinon. He mm -hmm. became the God-man, and he remains the God-man mm -hmm. uh, to be our Savior. And I, I use this as an argument. You know, I had many different arguments, but in an article once, and the atheists read it, and so they actually did blogs and articles on this and it got into actually secular newspapers and that was see because i said i don't believe there's aliens out there i don't believe there's intelligent life in outer space because god god's son stepped into history to die for adam's descendants you know for, for adam's race 
and uh, therefore, uh, you know, it wouldn't make sense to have races of beings on other planets. It just doesn't fit with what the gospel is all about and so on, because they would suffer from Adam's sin and they don't have salvation. Right. So the headline in the newspaper was, Ken Ham believes aliens are going to hell. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> That's just the way that secularists interpret the that things seems, that say. That seems judgy. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, the Earth was created first, and the Earth is the only place where there's life as we know it, and the Earth is the only place that there are human beings, and the Earth is the only place that God's Son stepped into history right. uh, to be uh, one of us uh, to save uh, Adam's race. Yeah, you certainly don't see a lot of lakes or even monkeys like needing to be saved from their false idol (laughs) worship right right um but uh i guess so this is this is a question i asked another you know we've kind of been doing like this series and so i i have asked this question maybe more than once yeah but um have we ruined we humans have we ruined the planet well when adam sinned we ruined the planet <laughs> yes. that's right yeah, that's a simple answer right? uh, actually there's a verse of scripture that tells you that it's in romans 8 the whole creation groans and bondage to corruption because of adam's sin yeah i think we i mean definitely people humans have been irresponsible we've sinned and we've done things that we shouldn't have done. I mean, different species have went extinct, things have been overhunted, um, or we've changed habitats such that those organisms no longer um, survive and live. And so that's, you know, that's not a good thing, obviously, that we've, we've done that. But um, at the same time, I think, you know, there has to be a balance. I, I guess that's what you know, when we look at environmentalism, I think sometimes Christians are put off because they see the extremes. And so they think, well, I don't want to be associated with that. So um, I'm, you know, not going to do anything with it. Well, that's not the right answer. Um, The right answer isn't not to do anything. And the right answer isn't to do everything. Um, We have to have balance in it. We have to care for it. But within reason, understanding that it is a fallen world and understanding that we are the ones that have dominion. That's right. That's right. Okay. I have one last question for you guys. And I saved just a really hard question for last. So just buckle up. (laughs) I don't know if you guys are ready, but I really want each of you to share. What is your favorite work of fiction? Oh, I just want, I just want to (laughs) know if Ken Ham had to read a book of fiction, what would it be? Well, I've always been a fan of science fiction and I grew up on Doctor Who. Yes. Okay. <laughs> in Australia. Yes. I don't like I don't like the modern series no, Doctor Who. Right. The, the, the traditional series Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Uh-huh. And uh there are there are books um detailing, you know, Doctor Who adventures. Yeah. But I maybe I should say, because I'm in this ministry, my favorite book of fiction. <laughs> If you really want my favorite book of fiction, it's called The Origin of Species. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> and what about you, Dr. Purdom? What are you reading for fun? Um, I like to read historical fiction. So okay. things that are based off of like things that have actually happened, um, like especially surrounding like World War One and World War Two. Yeah. Um, 
but you know some stories that have been drawn from that and maybe put more of in a historical fiction setting so that's what or that or i like to read um about medical history and like plagues and illnesses oh. and how they figured out what it was and how to fix it and yeah i read a lot of medical history that is history. so typical of a <laughs> geneticist yes. oh, oh like man that. joy loves that stuff joy listens to people talk about viruses and bacteria and it yeah, stresses there, me out there's a podcast that i listen to that um i mean it's not it's definitely secular but it's called this podcast will kill you and it's it's done by two virologists that like talk about the history of <laughs> diseases and things like that. Okay, like that. now now Dr. Perdom's writing that down. She, she, she wants to go listen to it. Now. Well, we had so much fun with you guys. I can't tell you how thankful I am that you took your time out to come um, do this. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it too. And thank you guys so so much. We're definitely praying for your ministry. And again, thank you for the work that you're doing because I know you're you are a resource for so many of us. So I hope that you are encouraged and that you keep it up well thank you i just want to know where you got the name sheologians from. <laughs> okay i can tell you that so joy and i did not have any idea that um our podcast was going to be a thing we knew we were going to do a podcast we did not expect to have any listeners yeah so when someone made this joke they it's obviously a pun on the word theologians um and we thought okay whatever this is fun we'll roll with it but what's been really funny is that we have really gotten a listener base by talking about feminism but feminists often think that if you are named uh <laughs> sorry about that if you're named sheologians that you must be a feminist so now we have to kind of constantly explain you know what it's a really bad pun we didn't know anybody was going to listen to us <laughs> and you know you really can't have a podcast without a commercial yeah. yeah, so I right. want to inform your listeners about our Answers for Women conference. Yes, do it. Oh, yeah. Every year, and it's coming up uh, March 27th and 28th. And um, right now we're welcoming over a thousand women wow. uh, to our conference this year. So we're really excited about that. And it's called Truth Uncovering the Lies We Believe. And so we're going to be looking at a lot of things that have that you probably have been talking about on your podcast and, and, and things that have crept into the church and taken the name Christian, but they're not really Christian. That's and right. so um, we always really try to have a lot of good apologetic value uh, to our conferences. And so if people want to find out more information uh, about that, they can go to AnswersForWomen.org. There's still time to register and uh, come and join us for just what's going to be a spectacular conference. Excellent. Yes, we highly recommend it. I know I've had friends speak uh, at that before. Mm -hmm. So we absolutely, you guys, go to that if you can. It's going to be great. All right, you guys, thank you so much. I would love to do this again. And I hope you guys have an awesome day. Hey, right, thank thanks. you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that was amazing. <laughs> That's what you always have to say. You have to say it. What yep. else do you say? Uh -huh. Wait, what did you say when you ask? No, <laughs> we're recording, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew's already interested in the interview. Okay. Well, what I was going to say, what I thought was so interesting, um, and then the Gordon Wilson. Well, so first of all, I like asking. The question, have it's we ruined the people. earth? Yeah. Because people, depending on like the context of your conversation, kind of leads that. But I'm glad that we got that answer to yeah. have we ruined the earth. Yeah. Um, but also in when we talked with uh, Dr. Wilson. Yeah. He was talking about um, like innovators mm -hmm. being the solution to this problem. Yeah. And it's so crazy to think that Ken Ham 
started Answers in Genesis, like mm. in his living room. Yeah. On a different continent. Con- on the slash... other side of the planet. Yeah. yeah a different hemisphere right. from us. Yeah. Um, and now there's a heat, like a, a network. Not of just scientists. like a very solid, excellent museum, which I have been to. Yeah. You've been. But there is a life sized arc. Arc. Yeah. <laughs> and that just came from. Him like doing a thing in his right, living room, like his desire to. So I think that that I think, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll do. We'll like we'll give our like conclusions in some yeah. sort of episode once yeah. we get all our interviews in. But yeah. I think that that's very meaningful to me. Yeah. Uh, to have someone like suggest innovation as a solution, and then have like an innovator that came on and was like, "Yeah, I just blew it out of the water." Yeah. Here's how I wanted now to I educate have a, people. Right. I mean, I really was. I'm not lying. I was completely, almost completely dependent on Answers in Genesis when I was in college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, funny because there are there are a few res- like creation science resources. Yeah. And they're all they're, like so excellent. They're really great. They're great. Yeah. yeah. So that was like, like this. The Christian science community is getting it. Yeah, they're, they're doing point. a great job, and they're all and you know like what I love apologetic space. Yes, and, that's what I was about yeah. saying. This is what I love about them. With you guys heard it with Jason Lyle, you heard it with Gordon Wilson, you just heard it in this interview. Like their foundation is like the Bible is true, right? That's the foundation. Yeah. Like they're gonna start there. Well, because the Bible is true, we're doing X, Y, and Z. Because the Bible true is true, we can see this and that. One of my favorite things that Ken Ham did when he um, he and Bill Nye had that debate like back in, I want to say 2013 oh, yeah. or 2014 mm-hmm. or something like that. And a lot of Christians like really disagreed with Ken Ham's approach because he essentially, he was just like, well, the Bible is true. And he gave Bill Nye the gospel. Right. And they were like, you're supposed to be talking about, you know, science and like, but for, for us, like there's, we're not going to try to separate the two. Like it was, it's important that you are not making a case for your for Christianity based on science. Like right. there's a case for science based on Christianity. Right. Like that's how we're going right. to do this and yeah. it doesn't actually take away from science at all because these people are amazing scientists and they know what they're talking about and and it, they you know I feel like they have a passion because they they're in this field, they're in the scientific field and like the more they learn about creation the more they see God. And so I feel like they're very passionate about it. They can right. see the design. They can see what he's done. They can see his work. And so they're passionate about it in a way um, that the rest of us, you know, maybe don't get to appreciate every day. Right. So anyway. I mean, the scientists are. I know scientists are always painted as very like. Not dry or dull. Yeah. They're not. But they're probably like, they've got to be the most. They're really interesting. Like, people. as far as I know, a lot of scientists don't get paid a lot, but they like. Right. Do field work. They. They're they fun. Busted, they, you know. They're really fun. Busted out. I enjoyed that. I, don't I know love why when we have scientists on. I know because they're always so fun. They're just fun people. And we had another Georgia. And we had two Georgias here. Yep. What are the odds? <laughs> okay. Well, you guys, somebody reminded me that we have not been giving them secret code safety words at the end oh, of yeah. episodes. Mm-hmm. Like we. We, that was real hot with us for a minute, and then we dropped yeah. it. <laughs> well, I have a, I have our safety word. What is it? It's because we had two uh, Georgias, Georgias on. Georgia. No, it's oh. peach fuzz. Peach fuzz. Got That's it. A secret word. Okay. Secret phrase. We're going phrase. with the code phrase. Secret word, like parentheses, S. 
Word parentheses S. Words. Yeah. Word okay. or words. It's peach fuzz. So you don't get to comment if you yeah. also can't say peach fuzz. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the rules. Yeah. Welcome to the rules. Um, all right, you guys. It's pretty much the only rule um, on our podcast. We don't have any. Other, other than rules. consider uh supporting us on Patreon. Oh yeah, hit us up on Patreon. We're having a rocking good time. We're gonna finish up um we're finishing up tactics this week, mm-hmm. and then I've we're heard going... that that's been very fruitful and yes. good, and yes. that tactics is a a great book. It has been super fun, um, and we're finishing that up this week, and then we're going into a new book. I'll let you guys know what that is shortly. But it's been really great. So you can hit us up at Patreon.com/slash/Sheologians. Join the Sheologians Book Club. You can leave us a voicemail at. 470-465-0475. So an honest problem has happened in my life where my area code for my personal phone number is also a Georgia area code. Right. And it's very similar. Yeah. And so like the other day I was at the grocery store and I had to put in like my phone number to get my Well, discount. and honestly, you probably say the voicemail number more than, more than your own yeah. phone number. So I, I had to put in my phone number because I didn't have my card, uh-huh. you know, to get my discount or whatever. And I just stood there and <laughs> I looked at the guy next to me. He worked at the Smiths. I was like, what's my phone number? <laughs> he goes, I don't know. I was what like, if well, he was obviously. A, what if I wasn't he was a really... Sheologians fan and he was like, 470. 4670475. <laughs> it was just funny because I just kind of like freaked out. Like my brain just didn't work for that second. And I like, what's my phone number? And he was like, yeah. why would I? Anyway. I, I know about that. <laughs> You know, I feel like, like my brain does that. <laughs> anyway, I mean, recently, all the time. Yeah. Okay. Do we have anything else we have to tell them? All right, guys. I think we're good. That is it for this week, and we will see you next week. Yeah.